Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. In fact, this is part two of a conversation with Neil Bawa. Last week, we talked about what's happening in the capital markets, and today we're focusing on which asset classes are working in today's market. Lots change in just a short number of weeks. So welcome to the show all the way from Silicon Valley, Neil Bawa. Thanks for having me uh, on the show, Victor. So Neil, last week we talked a bit about the capital markets and boy, there's certainly some asset classes that are painful to be part of today. I would say certainly hotel, cruise ships, airlines, anything like that that's travel industry related is in a world of hurt. What's working and what's not working in your view? I think that um, there are certain asset classes that will take longer to recover. Others may take a shorter amount of time. You know, you mentioned hotels, you, but in my mind, the asset class that may take longest to recover is senior housing. So what we are seeing today is there is an incredible amount of fear and paranoia where people are saying, I don't want to leave my grandma in an area that, n- number one, it's locked down, so I can't visit them because some of these places are locked down. Number two, one single tenant gets it in there and they give them to the orderlies and then it just kind of goes around. When we are seeing the number of deaths that have happened in nursing homes throughout the world, it is outrageous compared to the overall population, right? So if this thing is killing 1%, when you look at the percentage of people in a particular country that are dying in nursing homes, it is shockingly high. And I think that that affects people. I think it affects people that have older parents. Um, I think a lot of those people are going to come back home. And not until we get a vaccine are we going to see a recovery in senior housing. So to me, I think that in Q3 and Q4 of this year, if we don't have a vaccine by Q1 of next year, you're going to see some incredible deals in this market. And I, for one, am very focused on potentially raising a fund to do some opportunistic investments in senior housing, because fundamentally, as we know, this is an asset class that's that's forecasted to do well from 2022 to 2029 when we have kind of the that that baby boom or you know getting older phenomenon so those 7 years are supposed to be really really strong and if you have a dip in pricing and i think it's going to be maybe 10 to 20% price dip that may be a great time to pick up assets in senior housing so i, I think that asset class is going to see significant issues I'm glad you mentioned senior housing because it's certainly an asset class that has been getting a lot of attention lately. I'd say in many markets, in fact, it's already overbuilt, even COVID-19 aside. You know, I think about markets like San Antonio, where a new building that comes into the marketplace 24 months in is getting occupancies in the 60s. That's a low number. And the average market occupancy in a community like San Antonio is in the 80s. Again, that's not a stellar number. No. It's because it's oversupplied. And frankly... The youngest baby boomers are not old enough to be in senior housing. So yes, there's going to be growth in the market, but it's still another dozen years before the youngest baby boomer is at the average age to to enter assisted living. Mm-hmm. So there's still a bit of runway for that market. Now, what we've seen, uh, because as you know, we're invested in this market as well, is that the residential assisted living community is not experiencing the outbreaks that the big box facilities are. Yeah, yeah. And what what we've been Very building of yeah, mm-hmm. what we've been building are campuses of residential care homes where it's a dozen maybe 16 residents per home and it's much easier to keep a pandemic outside the front door and that's the best way. As long as it doesn't come in the front door, you don't have to have people in lockdown. You just protect the entire home and that's it. I think that that smaller 
residential living asset class was, you know, even before the pandemic was, you know, considered kind of the outlier, the the, the best part. Senior housing has seen, you know, um, occupancy declines now for five straight years, but we did not see it in the smaller segment of the market because that that's where people wanted to live. They already wanted to live in a low density environment. And now that low density environment becomes even more important to people. Uh, than it was before. And uh, some of our multifamily projects going forward, we're doing projects that are low density as well, because people are saying, that's what I want. I don't want to live in a big box environment with 300, 400 other people. I want something that's that's simpler. I want something that's low density. So there's a there's really a drive towards that. And I think there's there's going to be some opportunity there, I believe, for conversion. I mean, I, I believe that some of the hotels are going to go out of business and there may be the possibility of, of taking some of those hold, or, or hotels and converting them either to multifamily with, you know, like a studio sort, sort of apartment or possibly even converting them to senior housing. But again, you know, conversion is always an expensive process. It only works in certain markets and generally doesn't work well in suburbs. But I think there's some opportunities there. I do think that we will see hotels for sale in Q3 and Q4. It remains to be seen how much of a discount we get. But I think that it, it is, it's a lock that we're going to see discounts in hotels because a lot of hotels were generating cash on a day-to-day basis. They were stable because of that. Occupancies were at record highs. I think that average occupancy for hotels were in the mid-70s, which we haven't seen for a very long time. And now that they're down, I mean, th- that loss of cash there's just no way to get around it. Your lender still wants their mortgage. They might give you a few months, but you still have to pay it at some point in time. So I think that distressed assets in the hotel market are going to come to market in, in maybe late Q3 and, and, and Q4. And I, I see some terrific opportunities there. And I, I believe the same thing will happen for the Airbnb market. A lot of Airbnb hosts, they were just paying their mortgage, right? So they were buying these expensive homes and in front of beaches and, and you, know, um, you know, hilltops and places like Coeur d'Alene. And their whole investment thesis was, well, as long as I can lend this out through you know, Airbnb, I rent this out through Airbnb and I can pay my mortgage, someday I'll have a great asset. And that investment thesis doesn't work anymore. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that as well, because we have a portfolio of vacation rentals. And what we've seen is that through the month of April, our occupancy went down to about 5%, mm-hmm. uh, which mirrors pretty much what happened in hospitality across the board. But what we've seen is that since the lockdowns have been eased up, we've seen a flurry of bookings. Now, think about it. Mm-hmm. People have been locked up for six, eight weeks. They're saying, you know what? I need a getaway. I'm not going to board an aircraft to an all-inclusive. Where can I go that's driving distance where I can social distance and at least get a bit of a a getaway? It could be um, a cabin on a lake. It could be a chalet in the mountains. Some of those properties are going to do very well this year. I think so. I think that a lot of international tourism is going to turn into domestic tourism. So there's a segment of the Airbnb market which uh, is going to do well because of domestic tourism uh, with a lot of people, you know, saying, I, I'm just not, you know, I was scheduled on uh, in March to go to Dubai. In in June, I was scheduled to go to Thailand. Well, I had to cancel both of those vacations. So now we're looking at something domestic. So that segment of that market is going to do well, but Airbnb is a huge market. One piece of it is going to bounce back quicker. Other pieces are still going to struggle as there is a demand supply gap. There's also a lot of people already becoming uh, insolvent. Remember, this is not a well-capitalized market. This is not Marriott. These are people that if they if they don't pay their mortgage for three months and they don't get any tenants into their Airbnbs, they're done. 
they're in trouble. So I, I see I see some blood in the water for at least certain parts of the U.S. where there were expensive Airbnbs. Miami is the first place that comes to mind. Super expensive Airbnbs, you know, six seven thousand dollar mortgages. I don't know how these people are going to make it. I agree. I agree. So those are a couple of things that may not be working. What do you think? The, where do you think the opportunities lie for investors that might be looking to help investors solve problems? I think that the biggest area that we're going to see an explosion in is the industrial area. We have learned that being a just-in-time nation where we had four days of food and four days of toilet paper was not never a good idea. And we just need an example to show us that this was the wrong thing to do. I think we need to do what is traditionally considered to be appropriate, which is you have 14 days worth of supply. Well, if you want 14 days worth of supply for a nation of 330 million people, the amount of warehouse storage that you need is, is a billion square feet more than we have. And that doesn't take into account the fact that the pandemic forced millions of people that were not on Amazon Prime, that did not have a DoorDash you know, membership, that, that were not you know, buying stuff online, it forced them to buy online. And a lot of them actually started to like it. A lot of them got over that initial hesitation. So I believe that the e-commerce business gets a boost. It's not as outrageous as people are talking it out to be. I think it might be a 20% increase. But a 20% increase also requires a 20% increase in warehouse space. And there you are, another two or 300 million square feet. So in good, strong markets in the United States, you're going to see a massive increase in warehousing, in flex, in logistics, especially in the logistics type of warehousing where you can drive a truck straight in and have you know these lift gates. That kind of warehousing, you may see a three to five year increase. The stock market certainly considers that to be the case. When you see investment REITs that are holding industrial properties, their stock is up. It's not down. Every other asset class is down. Apartments are down. Senior housing is down. Hotels are down. Industrial is up. Yes, I love that. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. That, ma that matches what I'm seeing in the marketplace as well. And that's certainly what we're looking at also. So Neil, if folks want to get in touch, if they want to learn a bit more, what's the best way? Uh, the right way to get in touch with us is through our website, multifamilyu.com. This is an education portal. We do 50 webinars a year, have about 40 to 50,000 people that attend them. We actually have a webinar tonight. So um, you, know, you can connect with me very easily through multifamily followed by the letter u.com. I love it. Well, thank you, Neil. Thanks for sharing the perspective. And for the listeners at home, definitely get in touch with Neil at multifamilyu.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.